Fringe Radio, your trusted source for the paranormal, conspiracy theory, and true crime. Coming to you live from the Mistoffley Studios in Stark Fringe Radio. I try to move, but my body What's going on, everybody? I am your host, Will Martinez, and thank you for joining us on another edition of Dark Fringe Radio. I am your host, of course, again, Will Martinez, and can't do it without my co-host, Jay Galosi. Jay, what is going on, brother? How you doing? Just living la vida coca. I mean coca. I mean. Uh-oh. Things are good, my guy. Be careful. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to incriminate yourself. You don't want to incriminate yourself. Well, what's funny, what's funny is, that's not incriminating for me because I've never done it in my life and I have no intentions to. <laughs> so I can talk about all the shit I want to about that because I have That's nothing true. to do with it. That is true. They can test you all they want, right? All they want. Basically. All they're yeah. going to find is a lot of clear. A lot. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not illegal, my friends. Well, listen, uh, thanks for I joining us. I got a card. Oh, that's it. As long as you got that card, baby. Well, listen, thanks for joining us on another edition of Dark Fridge Radio, of course. Uh, uh, we are, uh, what, episode 132, Jay? Um just racking right through them. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, you can go to our website, darkfringeradio.com, and you can check out our stuff there. Um, but, Jay, social media, where they can find us, tell us. Tell you the can, people where they can find the 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 the, the, the knowledge, the, the you know. Today, Junior. Jesus, what are you, Foghorn <laughs> Leghorn? Oh, my God. I said, boy. I said, see, I said, boy. <laughs> see, this is why I actually know somebody who does talk like that. For real. His oh, name that's is horrible. Bud. Is they really Bud. talk like that? 100%. His name is Bud. Uh, a lot of people actually call him Yahweh back in the days when I shot a lot of pool. Uh, the, reason why they, the reason why they call him Yahweh is because Yahweh means God. You don't bet against right. God. You right. do not bet against this man. I'm a shoot that He's one of those guys, right? Yeah, but it's unconscious. I mean, just whoop. Like, it's got eyeballs. It's incredible. He's a master. He's an artist. There you go. Big up to Yahweh. Yeah, man. So, on that side note, yeah. Let's get back to what we're talking about. Please. We're talking about Dark Fringe. We're talking about our content. Where you can yep. find our content is where William was trying to, 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 to lead us to. You can Tell find Jay. all of our content, all 130 episodes at darkfringeradio.com. You go straight to the source, get it right from the horse's mouth if you want. Or you can get it at Apple. You can get it at Google Play. You can get it mm-hmm. Stitcher. Anywhere you would get a podcast, you can hear us there. SoundCloud. Give us stars. Give us ratings. Give us feedback. We love getting into it with you. We love having some back and forth. We love when you guys support us and help us let us know how we can make our show better and how we can give you guys better content. We've got a lot of cool things coming in the future, and it's all found at darkfringeradio.com. Absolutely. And thank you, Jay, so much for that. I really appreciate it. And, yeah, uh, go to the the website. That's where it's all at. Um, But tonight um, we have a very special guest. His name is Mr. Ori Spado, and if you don't know the name, uh, he's a pr- very prolific uh, individual. Um, and I, I'll tell you, Jay, man, I had a hell of a conversation with this guy, and um, I, I can't wait to hear it. Yeah, it's actually exactly what I thought it would be. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like even the interaction behind the scenes, like setting up the whole interview and stuff like that. 
very, you know, it was nothing. I'm not going to say anything wrong. Nothing at all. It was very, you know, polite, you know, concise, but it was very direct and to the point. There was no bullshit. <laughs> hey, I like that. No, no bullshit at all. I like that. We know. Yeah, me like too. That. Me too. I like that. And, and I, it was refreshing. It was refreshing because yeah. I was like, man, I could talk straight with this guy. Like, I don't have to, you know, be all fluffy with him. You know what I mean? I could be like, okay, this is what we're going to do. And he's like, absolutely. No problem. So, um, but nonetheless, uh, Mr. Ori Spado, uh, this individual, he uh, grew up in New York, um, didn't have really a background in the mafia, Jay, but ended up getting into California and then being a fixer for a lot of the Hollywood elites. Um, and um, so <laughs> a fixer. And we get into all that, and we ended up actually talked about how he actually ended up doing time for a RICO charge for, uh, you know, ended up, you know, catching a charge, being involved with another mafioso. And, uh, you know, we get into all that. And uh, we get into his after, his life after, you know, getting out, wanting to help people, wanting to, you know, uh, spread a positive message and, you know, tell people they don't have to live that life, obviously. You know what I mean? You don't so, you don't no, you don't have to. Yeah. Uh, but uh, the amazing part, Jay, is that. Throughout his whole, you know, he didn't really get into the crime part until like later on in his life. But throughout his other, you know, life earlier, he was very successful in just legitimate businesses. He was like a very successful insurance and salesman. Yeah, yeah, this guy was amazing. Listen, I mean, yeah, th- those those skills transfer. Oh, amazingly, he does yeah. It just yeah. you know, in an unorthodox fashion, it's just like uh, like that movie Back to School with Rodney Dangerfield. <laughs> yeah, one of my favorites. Right, yeah. he's in the classroom. Yeah. The guy from Harvard is like trying to tell him how to run a business. He's like, "What you got to do here is take a couple of the, take a couple of those greenbacks. You get them over to the to the landslayer raiders. They're that way. They kind of fast pass fast pass you through. You don't have to yep. wait as long." And the guy's like, "That's unethical." And it's like unethical. That's business. That's business. <laughs> business. But it's true. It's very true. And so, yeah, it's a really interesting conversation. I mean, this guy is very vocal about how he feels and, and how he feels about certain individuals. So we get into a lot of stuff here, Jay, but um, again, he wrote a book called the accidental gangster. You can check it out at the accidental That's his website. Go there, check it out, pick it up. I implore you guys to do that. I mean, it's just a really, really insightful um, look into a life of a guy who, you know, went from a legitimate, you know, businessman making a lot of money, Jay, um, and then kind of getting sucked in, you know, accidentally, just like how the book says, you know, by proxy, and then, uh, you know, ends up doing deals for very notorious people, and then also being a fixer in Hollywood. But, um, yeah, again, guys, check it out, accidentalgangster.com. We're going to have that interview here in a second with Mr. Ori Spado. So please don't go anywhere. We'll be right back and enjoy some more Dark Fringe Radio. Good afternoon, Dark Fringe listeners. Today, we have a very special guest, and his name is Mr. Ori Spado. Uh, Mr. Spado is known as the quote-unquote Hollywood fixer and is also the author of his book, The Accidental Gangster, where he chronicles his journey from a kid from New York to a highly successful businessman in Hollywood, uh, you know, to serving years in prison for a federal RICO charge. He talks about all this and much more. Today, we delve into the interesting life of Mr. Ori Spado. Mr. Spado, welcome to Dark Fringe Radio. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you, my friend. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Mr. Spado, um, born in Rome, New York, December 17th, 1944. Is that correct? 
Long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> we almost share a birthday on the eighteenth of December, so I, I share the uh, the the feeling of uh, getting gypped in on Christmas for your birthday and Christmas. So oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Of <laughs> the eighteenth, so I'm a day a day ahead of you. <laughs> no, you're a day behind me, or a day behind you, exactly as they would say. Yeah, but listen, um, you know, you uh, grew up in New York. Tell me a little bit about your childhood, and maybe tell me about some of the role models that were around you at that time, if you could. Well, growing up, my father was always my role model. Mm -hmm. uh, I had a lot of respect for my father. Good man. Worked hard. Honest. And just wanted better for his children. Mm. I come up in the family, I had two brothers, three sisters. Mm. We lived in duplex home next to my grandparents and my aunts and uncles. So when my mother cooked dinner, she cooked for 13 people every night. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I had a good childhood. I, I began I began things early in my life, stealing things, being in fights. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, all the normal things somebody like me goes through, I guess. Right. It was right. normal for me anyways. Mm -hmm. You know, and uh, I began uh, hustling and making money. It's just like it's an everyday thing that I wake up. I got to make money. What am I going to do to make money today? Mm -hmm. And I've been doing that since I was 12 years old. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it's the same thing as what you do in the life. Mm -hmm. When I refer to the life, I'm talking about the post and those mm -hmm. You know, some guys make money, some don't. Mm -hmm. I made money. Yeah, that's very important in that life, you know, of course. It, it, it's a hustle. You got to wake up every day. Who am I going to rob? What am I going to store? You know, uh, what kind of deal am I going to put together? What kind of, what am I going to do today? Every day you got to earn Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Just my mentality. Yeah, no, there's and uh, seventy-eight years old. I haven't changed. <laughs> yeah, they can't. They say you can't teach old dogs new tricks, right? It's just the way it is at that point, right? Well, you to teach new tricks. You know, I was thinking about it today. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, actually, this morning I thought about, God damn, I said, this freaking legitimate world. It yeah. takes so long for fucking money to come in. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, it's true. Back in the old day, I mean, where where those quick, where's the quick deals that I made on a daily basis? You know, mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. like they don't exist anymore. I mean, I'm sure they do. I mean, I can't do it. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's interesting. Cool. It's interesting you say that, and I understand what you're saying too, because you know, I'm uh, you know, I was a product of the '70s. And, uh, you know, I grew up, you know, from the 70s, 80s, you know, to now, and I've seen a huge change in business, you know, how business is conducted. Um, but, uh, you know, going back to, you know, you growing up and stuff like that, you know, I know your father was not involved in anything, you know, as far as like Costa Nostra wasn't, you know, you know, talked about or, but I know there were some other you know, family members that maybe were. Um, did you know anything about that when you were growing up? Did you have any idea of, you know, that life, you know, as you were growing up? I... Vaguely, I knew mm -hmm. because you know we always had the newspapers. Mm -hmm. So of course, you know I always read 
I've been a reader all my life. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I, I knew things. And there was one thing that I always remember when I was a child was the fact that my grandparents who lived next door to us, mm-hmm. they were against my father marrying my mother. Mm. And it's like I had two different sets of grandparents. Mm-hmm. The grandparents on my father's side, unfortunately, they passed away before I was born. Mm. I really seriously would have liked to know them. Mm-hmm. Their last name was originally Spada, S-P-A-D-A. And he came over from Calabria mm-hmm. as a maid member. So I know that he was he was a maid guy in upstate mm-hmm. New York and I know a lot of the things that took place back then that I later learned in my, you know, through older people, my friend friend Russo who told me things and things like that there. But you know, things, yeah. uh, you know, but for my father, yeah, my father told me a little. Mm-hmm. One night that he really told me was the night of my stag party before I got married. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so I guess it was something that was embedded in me somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess, you know, it's like I say, and they tell everybody, my life was my destiny. Mm-hmm. Laid out for me to live it. That's right. And I lived it the way that it was laid out. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I, uh, you know, I don't have any regrets. Mm-hmm. The regrets are negativities. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I take full responsibility for everything I've done in my life. The mm-hmm. good, the bad. And the ugly. Mm-hmm. And since my release from prison, I've been doing only good things, trying to help people out, trying to help make this world a better place. Mm-hmm. And I'm getting well known in that area and things like that there. Yeah, no, that's it's a wonderful thing that what you're doing now, because a lot of people in your position um, and at your age would just say, you know what, F it. I'm not even going to go down that route. You know what I mean? I've been down this road all my life. I'm just going to continue to do that and, you know, keep the blinders on and not do anything else, but, you know, doing what I'm doing, but now you're changing things for the better and, you know, doing things for positivity and, you know, going back, you know, to your you know childhood, you growing up and um, you're getting older, you ended up um, serving for the U.S. Army and uh, you were honor- honorably discharged in 1966. So uh, did you have any, you know, cool experiences during that time when you were enlisted at that, you know, those years? I had a lot of cool experiences. Mm-hmm. Give me one if you could. Of, huh? Give me one if you could. Well, my life was threatened in a sugar cane field in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. And it's in my book. Mm-hmm. I'm still here. Wow. So it's something basically shivery. I try to take over some brothels. In mm-hmm. Hawaii. Mm-hmm. And uh was an interesting experience. Uh I uh I made seventy-four dollars and fifty cents a month mm-hmm. when I was in the army. Mm-hmm. I had an apartment in Wacky Key that cost me one hundred 
$150 a month. Okay. Plus, I had my drone, my, you know, all the additional expenses. Mm-hmm. So, you got to figure out, you know, how do I do that at $74.50 a month? Okay. <laughs> I was hustling. I was well known and wacky key. Mm. Uh, really funny. And I would go through the international marketplace and everyone went, Mr. Oil, Mr. Oil. <laughs> I, uh, mm. But it was a great time. Uh, I, I served our country proudly. Mm. I would do it again un- unequivocally. Mm. Uh, I feel it's something uh, that every young man should do, especially in today's world, mm. because, you know, what's kept me alive to be able to be here to talk to you today are three very important words. Loyalty, honor, and respect. That seems to There's be no a word. young man. They don't have that today. I don't know why they're not taught by their parents. Um, but you know, I have so you know the biggest buyers of my book happen to be women mm-hmm. because my book is not how about being a gangster mm-hmm. because I've been very successful in legitimate business. I've had multi-million dollar businesses in the insurance industry. Yeah, tell us about that. I mean, that was a really interesting part about your past that I found really interesting because it kind of paralleled me in a little bit because I was in the mortgage industry for, uh, I would say, 10 years. I had a very successful time during that time before 2008, before the crash. And, um, you know, I I saw what you were doing and I I, I found it to be miraculous, just a guy that knew how to hustle to do something legitimate, like what you were doing at that time. Tell me how that all worked and then how, tell me how that I kind of went south for you as well. Well, you know, the insurance business, and in my opinion, is one of the best businesses out there today. Mm-hmm. Uh, I began with the Prudential Insurance Company. I was a leading agent. I uh, became a member of the Million Dollar Roundtable. Mm-hmm. Uh, Work has never been a problem for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I uh, during the daytime, I was going in the department store, talking to the clerks, selling them insurance, and at night, was knocking on doors, making appointments, and I was constantly working. And, uh, but, you know, the thing about this, you got to know about insurance. You know, people say, oh, another insurance salesman. The thing is, we're doing good. We're helping people out. Mm-hmm. And we're helping them out for their future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah. People don't realize how much an insurance policy, you know, can benefit them in so many different ways. Not only just to, you know, have some type of security if something happens, but also to leverage that for other things, for other business, um, you know, uh, ventures as well. Um, people are I'm not sure aware of that. So yeah. many things. That, you know, I can remember many years ago, an older gentleman, I, I saw he was a painting contractor. Mm-hmm. And it was 
I'm not gonna grow it. I'm like, come on, you got we got a new policy, you gotta buy this. You need this retirement, you need this annuity, you need this. And I constantly sold them. And you know, he called me up, he got my number. Many, many years later, here I am living in California. <laughs> he said, I've been looking for you. Mm. I gotta thank you. Because if it were not for you, I would never have been able to retire. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, so amazing. you know, when you hear stories like that, you know you done a little good. That's right. You know? That's right. Yeah. So tell me about that run that you had with the insurance uh with Prudential and you know how how did that all go south? I mean, because to me that was a, a huge injustice that was done to you, um, where you know they basically took your your livelihood away from you. Um, talk to me about that a little bit if you could. Well, that was that wasn't with, with the prudential. Mm -hmm. You know, you know what destroys people? You know, I wanted to move to California. Mm -hmm. And I put a transfer in with the Prudential Insurance Company. My manager's name was Sully Catadell. He was a real nice guy. Mm -hmm. He said, okay, I'll take it. And he had to put it, they got submitted into Boston, which was the headquarters. Mm -hmm. And I'm waiting, I'm waiting. Sully, what's that? Yeah, I haven't heard. I'll call. And I'm waiting and waiting. One day I'm in my stockbroker's office <laughs> and the manager from John Hancock was there. And I'm telling him, I said, gee, I put a transfer in. I want to move to Los Angeles. She said, I get you a job there right now. <laughs> I said, yeah, well, me, man, he picked up the phone in the, in the, in the stockbroker's office, <laughs> called the manager in, here in Los Angeles, who was on Beverly uh, I'm Beverly uh, Drive over here, Beverly Boulevard. Mm -hmm. And boom, I had a freaking job. <laughs> I packed my car up and I moved to California and boom, I began with a John Hancock. What happened was I lost all my renewal with a credential. Mm -hmm. That was the risk that I was willing to take. And I lost them all. But needless to say, eventually I went back to New York because I was in real estate and other things too that we had going. Mm -hmm. And uh, I ended up for a very short period of time. I needed to put make money to feed my family and put a roof over our head. Mm -hmm. And I ran into a guy with a combined group of insurance companies, which was owned by Nicole, uh, W. Clement Stone. Mm -hmm. And they told me I could make a hundred bucks a day. Put it right in my pocket. There you go. And they sent me to school for two weeks in Boston. One of the first books they had me read was Think and Grow Rich. Mm -hmm. And when I read that book, I said, holy shit. This guy who wrote this book has put names everything that I've been doing. <laughs> I was actually doing the things that he was talking about. It's a great book, no question about it. And I uh, I stayed with that company until I became the top salesman. 
I got an award and met Mrs. Stone in New York at the New York Hilton. And then I quit and I began my own uh, agency, the Ori Agency. And I became a pioneer in the automobile after-sale industry. I'm one of the guys that when you walk into a dealership today, the demo guy demos the car to you and brings you back. He said, meet my business manager, finance manager, whatever. They got a lot of names. And now they sell you. And the first thing they want to do is finance the car. Because the dealer makes a lot of money on the financing. And then from the financing, they put the credit life in action out. And then we'll put the warranty, the extended warranty, the auto alarm, the rust proofing, the ceiling, <laughs> and you name it. And it's only $2 a month, $4 a month more. Don't worry about it. Right. You know, you know when you walk into it, how much do you, how much you want to pay a month? William, how much can you afford? Mm-hmm. Give me a number. That's right. That's right. Give me a number. Is that the Ori method? Uh, give me a number. Uh, $350. Three, you could afford $350. Good. All right. You said $350. You know what's in my head? $450. <laughs> and then that's when you start tacking things up. And that's where I'm going to get you. Right. That's where I'm going to land with you. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I get it. It makes sense. It makes perfect yeah. sense. Yeah. So you, you went from that to that. I mean, you, you you obviously are hugely successful in everything that you touch. I mean, it seems like uh, in life. And um, where did that all go wrong? Where did the, you know did the, that road kind of start going towards a different road? And you ended up going back to California and being the fixer. Well, here's what happened. Uh, name of my agency was the Ori Agency. Mm-hmm. And I developed a way, actually, but if I accent, my cousin was in real estate, came to me one day, he says, Cuz, he says, review this contract for me, would you? He says, I'm thinking of signing up with this company. And the company happened to be Century 21. <laughs> so I'm reviewing the contract, and then it dawns, holy shit, this is how I go national. Mm. So I took the Century 21 contract, developed it for the Ori Agency. You see, to sell insurance, you've got to be licensed in every state. Mm-hmm. So how do I get licensed in every state? It's impossible for me to go to every state and take a fucking dice. Right. Okay? And I'm not going to be the guy on the ground. Mm-hmm. I get agents who are licensed there. So I developed a thing of how I was able to bring the Ori Agency on a national level. Mm-hmm. I needed $12 million. And I, my friend Frank Russo asked me to go to Boston to meet Ralph Serpy. Now, at that time, they were filming the Brinks job. Mm-hmm. I met Ralph Serpy. I met Peter Falk. I met Jazz Mafia, who actually did. I met everybody. Mm-hmm. And I explained it to Ralph, who was with Dino De Laurentiis. Mm. And they loved the idea. We all could have made a lot of money. Flew out here. I met with Dino De Laurentiis. That's how I became friends with him. His office at that time was here on Cannon Drive. And uh, he was going, Dino was great for raising money. 
And I brought them to downtown LA Motors. I showed them how my program worked within the dealership. And I was on the verge of raising this $12 million. Hmm. That would have happened. I would have been a multi-billionaire today. Wow. But I had an agent that became, I had a guy that I took from nothing, made him into something. He heard about the deal I had with the insurance company. Mm -hmm. And he tried to take my agency over. And it became a big legal thing of eventually I became indicted. Mm. And, you know, of course, by that time, I already knew Sonny Franchise. I already met Meyer Lansky, Frank Costello, Russell Buffalo. I already knew these guys. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I lost my insurance license as a result of it. And I uh, almost went to prison. Right. And I ended up getting five years probation. He was allowed to move to California. And I was always maintained a place in New York City. Mm -hmm. So I was going back and forth once a month. And I became involved and uh, well-known. Well-known by the FBI. Yeah. Well, it's interesting how uh, that all unfolded. And of course, it's always uh, usually a jealousy or envy from someone on you know, the inside circle that usually ruins everything, but uh, from our experience, at least. But uh, nonetheless, uh, you end up going to California, you know, changing your life. And now you become uh, the fixer for, you know, the Hollywood elite, the A-listers. Um, obviously, without giving any names or anything like that, I'm not here to do that to anyone, but could you give me some examples of some of the things that you were asked to maybe fix or maybe help, uh, you know, you know, work out, as they say? Yeah, a lot of problems, like anything else, Hollywood has their problems. Yeah. But when you're talking about movie budgets, you're talking big dollars. And when things have a tendency to go over budget, mm -hmm. and a lot of times it's because the actor thinks he knows more than the director. That's how I began. Dino was having a big problem when one of his films. I said, I'll handle it. And I handle it nice, quietly, peacefully. Mm -hmm. And the word spread. Mm. And, you know, I would get calls from the studios, agents, lawyers. And I handled multitude of problems from, you know, even bringing some actors to you know, uh, AA meetings and things mm -hmm. like that. You know, get them on the straight and narrow, get them off the drugs, at least until they finish the goddamn movie. You know? <laughs> yeah, let them at least finish the movie then. And after that, whatever they do, they do, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah I hear you. Uh, Ori, I mean, th this is just unbelievable. I mean, you've, uh, from just that last 20 minutes of just talking about what your life is consisted of. And of course you can go to the accidentalgangster.com to pick up the book or amazon.com, pick up uh, the accidental gangster. Um, you can always do that there, but you know, going back to your story here. Um, so now you're helping out the Hollywood elite, you're rubbing shoulders and, you know, shoulder with, you know, these, these people in Hollywood, completely different lifestyle. Uh, I'm sure to, you know, what you were dealing with before. Um, 
Can you tell me what was it like, you know, dealing with some of these people? Was it like you start to see these people in a more of a human type of way? Because, you know, when we see movie stars and we see actors and directors, we have this certain, you know, thing about what we think they are or who they are. But now you start to see the more human side of them um, and some of their faults and some of their defects. How did that change your perception of Hollywood, if, if any? Well, I treat everybody equally. I just had this talk with my grandson last week. Mm. You got to be able to talk to the president of the company with the respect and that he deserves. And also speak to the janitor who mops the floors mm -hmm. and give him the same respect. Mm -hmm. You always should be able to put yourself in another man's shoe. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot to be said in, in those very few words. But if you do that and you know how to do it, you know what they're thinking about, how they're thinking, or you know what their thought patterns are. You learn an awful lot. You right. know, and I learned all these techniques were things that I use as a salesperson. Mm -hmm. So they just came naturally to me as a negotiator in fixing problems. Right. Because I never resolved the problem with a gun. Mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe one time in New York, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, we won't talk about that. That's all good. <laughs> but that, was, that wasn't a Hollywood thing, you know? Right, right. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, you got to sit down and you got to make both parties happy. Mm -hmm. You know, we currently have a strike, and this strike is not going to end from all predictions to January, February. And yesterday I heard maybe even March. March, yeah, that's what I heard, yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's a devastating effect here in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. And I was talking to a couple of senior guild members. I said, I can handle this problem. And they submitted my name. But the biggest problem you have in Hollywood, and you got to bring people down to their level, is the egos. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. And no, oh no, we'll handle it. We don't need Ori. No, you need me more than ever. No. Yeah. Okay. This keeps keeps going on going. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. You know. I, I don't understand why they don't realize certain things. And you, I, again, you alluded to it. You said it's the ego. It's the problem with the ego, you know, and it's amazing that when you meet some of these people, how inflated their ego is and, you know, uh, how it could be a detriment to them and what they're doing. Um, you've mentioned some names earlier and I, I kind of wanted to get your opinion. Um, you mentioned Sonny Franchise and how, 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 how is it, you know, knowing that person and how, how was he to you and, uh, I know things kind of ended a little bit, you know, bitterly, I think. Um, but tell me about your Did relationship. Did you end bitterly with Sonny? Oh, no, I didn't? Okay. Forgive me then. No. Okay. Well, where would you get that from? I thought that he had actually put a hit out of you at one point. So forgive me if I said that incorrectly. <laughs> Look, at that's normal. 
right. Yeah. For yeah. me to get upset over that, I'm still here, ain't I? That's true. You're right about that. All right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. You know, and the only words that Sunday night had in re- as a result, mm-hmm. because I discovered that there when I was listening to my discovery while being locked up in Brooklyn. Gotcha. And when we got ready for trial, Sonny was out on bail. I wasn't. Mm. And he came in that day, and he's taking his jacket. Hey, buddy, right across from me at the table where all his co-defendants were. Mm-hmm. Hey, buddy, here you're upset with me. Look up. I said, buddy, I'm not upset with you. Why would I be upset? Mm-hmm. I said, what I'm upset with I said, you would call me up for any problem, and I had, I would fly into New York. Mm-hmm. I said, when you heard this, you didn't ask me to fly in. If you would have, we wouldn't be sitting here today because we would know the Fatato was a rat. Mm-hmm. Right. And I said, but otherwise, I said, no, buddy, it is. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. Still love you. But no, yeah. Sunday night, we were speaking. Right up until a couple of days before he passed away. Oh wow! No, so we've been we were friends right to his death. Gotcha. So, so let's talk about some of these other characters that you know you dealt with. Um, you know that are in that type of life. Do you think there's a parallel between the egos of you know some of the Hollywood elite when it comes to some of these people that are involved in the Costa Nostra and maybe you know the things they're involved in? Maybe there's an ego thing that you know is parallel between the both. Well, look, you know, in Hollywood, in the gangster world, the egos, Sonny didn't have an ego. Sonny was who he was. Mm-hmm. And you got to respect that. You knew mm-hmm. who he was. He knew who he was. I knew who I was. And he knew who I was. That's right. You know, and, and you got to remember, another guy who was his equal out here in Los Angeles was Jimmy Kachi. Mm-hmm. But nobody knows Jimmy Kachi. Mm-hmm. Okay, but Jimmy Kachi was the underboss of Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And Jimmy and I did an awful lot of things on him. <laughs> he was the only guy on the West Coast that I was really connected to. Yeah, the other guy yeah. interesting. Uh, all right, well, let's get into, um, of course, you know, um, you know, you you you're, you having this, you know, very good, um, you know reputation in hollywood in california you know being the fixer where did that go wrong as well where did that go south and how did you end up in prison after all that that didn't go south hollywood being okay okay i'm still Uh, a hollywood fixer i'm still (laughs) the fixer for anything okay people still come to me Mm. the problem is people don't have money today to pay me because you remember i got paid handsomely for the work that i did Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, what brought me to to the point that I got arrested? Yes. Let me read you a blur from the back of my book. Okay. All right. You all heard of Nick Colleggi? Yes, I have. All right. Nick Colleggi wrote Casino, Goodfellas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A new movie coming out next March with the narrow plane, Frank Costello, who I knew. Mm. All right. And he's also playing Vito Genovese. He's playing two roles. 
Oh, wow. This movie is called Alto Place. Nick wrote, for nearly 40 years, Orlando Orispado was a friend and associate of John Sonny Franchese, underboss of the Colombo organized crime family. His relationship with Sonny brought him to the attention of the FBI and eventually led to his being indicted with Sonny on federal legal charges and imprisoned and the accidental gangster already provides the detail of this time in his life and his long battle with the FBI, whose overwhelming resources made it a fight that was impossible to win. Nick Pelagi, author and screenwriter, Casino Goodfellas. Hmm. Okay? Wow. I'll read you another one. This is from John Connolly. And John Connolly was a a true crime author. He wrote the book, Filthy Rich. He's the guy who really investigated Epstein, Jeffrey mm-hmm. Epstein. Mm-hmm. And that's the book Filthy Rich was about. Mm-hmm. Orlando Spato had been a thorn in the side of Los Angeles field office of the FBI for almost two decades before they finally took him down. Accidentally or not, Corey was a Quincential mob character, complete with a pinky ring and a slow, steady, deliberate voice, whether speaking with friends or foes. But like so many other good fellows, he was set up by a friend's son. You will have to read about it in the book. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So those are two of the blurbs on the back of my book, The Accidental Gangster. Mm-hmm. Uh, along with pictures of people that I knew mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. along the way mm-hmm. and amazing amazing what can I say <laughs> I mean, well, yeah what else can you say at that point yeah no, I get it I, I uh, sometimes I ask myself mm. Freak did I do everything that I've done in my life. I sat here with George Gallo, who is writing and directing the movie that's going to be made off of my book. Mm-hmm. And I looked at him, I said, George, as a screenwriter, I don't pay over. I know it's not going to be identical to the book because no movie ever comes out just like the book. You can't mm-hmm. do it. Mm-hmm. I said, George, whatever you dream of, whatever you could think of that you want to put in that script, chances are I did it. <laughs> so don't worry. I said, you got free range. There you go. So, there you go. Yeah. Amazing. You know, Ori, um, you your book, The Accidental Gangster, of course, you can find it at the accidentalgangster.com and, of course, uh, Amazon.com. Um, you know, you touch on the gl- glamorous and gritty aspects of Hollywood. Um, what do you, you know, what do you hope that the readers you know, take away from your story? What would I hope the readers take away from the story? Yes, sir. I would love for them to take away the successes in business. Mm-hmm. How to overcome fear. How to be respectful, loyal, and honored. 
<laughs> okay. I have mentored a lot of young men for staying out of a life of crime. Those are the kind of things that make me happy in today's world. Mm -hmm. uh, but those, you know, there, there's so much to be able to learn from my book. My book is about me. I don't write about others. Yeah, I mentioned other names, but the book's about me. Mm -hmm. And if you notice, you read my book, I don't have anything bad to say about anybody. Nothing bad. Mm -hmm. So it's not one of those books. It's 400 some odd pages. And I got to admit, it's a really damn good book. Once you begin it, it's what everybody tells me. Once they begin, they can't put it down. There you go. So you when go. I wrote this book, I wanted a number one, be truthful. Mm -hmm. And I wanted my voice to come off the pages. So people could hear my voice and they tell me that I accomplished that. So I did something right there. Yeah, no, you did. I mean, you've definitely, uh, um, you you you've definitely are reflective of being able to be successful in anything that you do in life um which i highly highly respect that's something that i've always respected even since i was a kid you know being around certain individuals in my life too and um you know being successful seeing them being successful in different aspects of their life i find that very um you know um just something to look up to and you know appreciate as well but and again like you said a lot of people down days you know the younger generation they don't understand that and you know I, you know i would hope that people would understand that more one thing i wanted to ask um before i let you go ori is um you know you were indicted on this rico charge i mean just recently yesterday there was a bunch of individuals that turned themselves in because of a rico charge what's your what's your opinion about that i'm, I'm you know from somebody who who's faced that before um what, what what do you what do you say to something like that what's your opinion well, I'll tell you what, folks, follow me on TikTok. Mm -hmm. Because there, I've been true. I put my true feeling. This has got me highly pissed off. Mm -hmm. We are in a country now. It's a two-tiered system. Our mm -hmm. lawmakers make the laws for you, for me, and the rest of the country, but not for them. Mm -hmm. Here we got Rudy Giuliani. I was just going to have to ask you that. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. Rudy Giuliani. Yeah. It's unconstitutional. Right. Yeah, asshole. And what about those thousands of guys you put away? Mm -hmm. All right. It was unconstitutional then. The RICO Act is illegal and unconstitutional. But even the guy who wrote it said it's almost impossible to be able to overturn. Okay. Richard Nixon signed it in the law in 1970. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. It was never used until Giuliani read the book that Joe Bonanno wrote, mm -hmm. who laid the blueprint out of how La Cosa, La Cosa Nostra worked. Right. And all he had to do was fill it in. Mm -hmm. So it was okay for him to use it, but now it's no good for him. Right. Okay. This is right. wrong. And then where the freak do you come off? To get people, oh, you got two weeks to turn yourself in. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, sit down with us. We'll negotiate your bail. What the fuck? Yeah. No, 
30 years ago, would that have happened? Never. In the morning. Okay. I got no bell hearing till I got a rain. Mm -hmm. You got to be arraigned first. You're arrested. You're put in jail. Mm -hmm. You want to talk about how they got their mugshot taken and how dirty it is? Mm -hmm. God damn it. Welcome to the real world, folks. Yeah. Yeah. It's no good for you, but it's good for us. Yeah, people don't. I recommend anybody. Mm -hmm. All right. To get your lawyers, if you've had criminal records, start doing something about what they're doing here. Okay. Because they don't want any laws, but the laws are for us. That's got to stop. Right. Yeah. That's my feeling. You asked me, I told you. Thank you, sir. No, no, no. I appreciate it. No, it's it's an interesting subject because, you know, you obviously were a victim of that. And it's true. Giuliani put a lot of people, you know, he made them, you know, he arrested a bunch of people without even having any you know, evidence and stuff like that. Just throwing the Rico charge out there. And he ruined a lot of people's lives and people don't realize that. And now, as they say that, you know, the chickens come home to roost, as they say, right? Yeah. And Donald Trump, oh, it's a badge of honor. A badge (laughs) of honor. Yeah, he's shitting his pants. Oh, yeah. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. Because, trust me, uh, he's got four indictments. Yes. He is a former president of the United States. Mm -hmm. They're never going to put him in prison. Mm -hmm. Never. I'd be surprised if that ever happened. Yeah. Does he deserve it? Yes, he deserves it. Mm-hmm. These crimes are w- much worse than most of the crimes that we had on my indictment. Oh, absolutely. 100%. Okay? Much yeah. worse. These mm-hmm. are crimes against our country. Right. We didn't make two crimes against our country. Mm-hmm. No. Amazing. Mr. Spade. Mr. Spado, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. You, you've you've been a, a tremendous guest. Again, everybody can pick up the book at theaccidentalgangster.com or amazon.com. Uh, make sure you go ahead and do that. Uh, support Mr. Spado and support what he's doing. Uh, Mr. Spado, before we let you go, what's next on the horizon for you? I think you have maybe another book coming out in the near future. Is that correct? Uh, we're working with a literary agent to see how much you want to pay me. There you uh, go. That- that's a good possibility. I'm working on stories with Ori. Uh, it's going to be a, a talk show. Uh, basically, going to be conversations. I'll be bringing in. We're going to be talking how the post notes really works, mm-hmm. uh, things of that nature, how Hollywood really works. And that's what we're going to be talking about, just sitting down, having conversations. And uh, we're beginning that next month. That's wonderful. I think that's a great idea. And looking forward to that, Mr. Spado. Thank you again for joining us on Dark Fringe Radio. Again, please pick up his book, The Accidental Gangster, at theaccidentalgangster.com or amazon.com. Mr. Spado, thank you so much. I can't say enough. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you, my friend. Take care now. All right. Thank you. Have a great day. Take care. All right, guys. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Mr. Ori Spado. Again, if you can, check out his uh, website, theaccidentalgangster.com, and uh, go ahead and pick up his book. I mean, very interesting insight into the world of um, the Costa Nostra, um, the legitimate world of business, and also being a fixer for the Hollywood Mafia life. Yeah, the Mafia life. And you know what? This guy, I tell you what, totally legit. Little legit, let me tell you. <laughs> I believe you. 100%, 100%. I believe you. Oh, I yeah. Believe you. 
I believe yeah. you. I've been around yeah. some Sicilians. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It, it was yeah. an interesting conversation, Woo. as you guys saw. So, um, again, check out his book, AccidentalGangster.com. Uh, check it out his book. Pick it up. Uh, Ori Spado. Um, wonderful guest. Uh, Jay, again, uh, where can everybody find the uh, our, our stuff here at Dark Fringe Radio before we say goodnight? You can find all of our stuff, all of our content. You can find 130 episodes. You can find stuff on AI. You can find stuff on the occult. You can find stuff on paranormal. You can oh, find yeah. us going out and being in the world. It's all at darkfringeradio.com, including this fantastic interview with this fantastic guest. We thank you so much for coming on tonight and uh, being such a straight shooter. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much, Jay, for that. I really appreciate it. And yeah, it's funny, you know, Jay, we've been doing this for six years now. This is, um, we're coming up on our anniversary. Uh, next week will be our anniversary for six years. Unbelievable. Um, you know, it's really crazy thinking how, you know, how much time has passed since we started doing this. It's amazing. Uh, and, you know, it's funny. Um, a lot of some of the topics that we've covered, you know, over the years, they're starting to come back again. <laughs> and are you very know? interesting as they come back. Yeah. And it's funny. Yeah. When they come back, you're like, oh, they're talking about direct energy levels. It's like, yeah, we covered that like covered episode that. 45. <laughs> yeah, like four years Skynet, ago. Skynet, AI, AI taking over. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah, like yeah, episode four. Yeah, we covered that. Yeah, um, we covered that. We covered that. But no, no, it's good shit, though. And that's why um, every week on, you know, Facebook and other social media, we try to, like, remind everybody, we you know, we'll find uh, a reel and, you know, we'll remind people that, hey, we did an episode on this and to check it out as well. So uh, make sure you do that. Uh, Jay, thanks so much for uh, joining me on another edition of Dark Fringe Radio. And, of course, you guys, Thank you for supporting us. Continue to support us. We love you. We thank you. And we'll see you again, again next week.